Rangers and Diamondbacks are facing off in the World Series, but where do the Texas Rangers have the advantage and what are five keys to them winning it all? We're going to talk about all that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Pratt, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of Locked On Rangers. Today is Thursday, October 26th, and your Texas Rangers are just one day away from game one of the World Series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Hit subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcasting platform where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, on today's show, we're getting more into the nitty-gritty. I did a, a uh, crossover edition with Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. And locked on Diamondbacks Miller Thomas on this morning's episode. But I wanted to just a one-on-one, just for just for us to chat about the Texas Rangers and my own opinions where um, I don't get to dunk on, on anybody else, just, just on my own show. But I, I have some more thoughts that I want to get into because there are so many thoughts. There are so many things to talk about because the Rangers are in the freaking World Series. Now, let's start and look at the pitching matchups that are probables for the first four games because it will repeat after the first four games. Game one, we have a change. Nathan Eovaldi versus Zach Gallon. Game two, that hasn't been announced yet. It's almost certainly going to be Jordan Montgomery and Merrill Kelly. Game three, Max Scherzer versus Brandon Fott. And game four, probably bullpen versus bullpen i'm assuming at this point it'll be andrew haney dane dunning slash whatever combo i have no idea no updates on john gray ideally if john gray was healthy he would be the game four starter and you would have four starting pitchers you feel really good about but again no idea about john gray's healthy through one game in the alcs and it was one inning and it was not great it was fine but uh yeah not exactly what you want to turn to in the world series even though bradford and Perez and all the other long relief guys, maybe they're not as good at their peak as John Gray. You are more sure of what you're getting in them. And that's why I think the Rangers would go with that. But let's break this down even further position by position, I think, and where the Rangers had the edge. Catcher, this is a really close one. Jonah Heim has been sensational defensively, offensively, and not quite as good this postseason as he was during the regular season. Just a 655 OPS in the postseason, but a pair of home runs both of which off of Fromber Valdez, the Fromber Bomber, as they call him, or I call him, maybe one other person has adopted that nickname as well. But I think the Rangers have the edge there. Gabriel Moreno is a sensational catcher, absolutely sensational. He's having a postseason for the ages. Got a 852 OPS in 12 postseason games. He has caught every inning, three home runs for him, four walks to 12 strikeouts, just one double, but still a very, very good catcher. And he is the best catcher in all of baseball when it comes to controlling the running game. The guy has gotten absolutely absolute cannon for an arm. He is significantly better than every other catcher in baseball at caught stealing. I believe he had over a 50% caught stealing rate. It might've been 47%, but it was just significantly better, better than everybody else in major league baseball. Even in a year where the bases were expanded and there were limited pickoff moves and stolen bases were way, way up. Moreno was just absolutely sensational. He's a great receiver. He's great at calling plays and he's a pretty good hitter too. Um, didn't have the best regular overall offensive season. First half was kind of rough for him and he kind of, you know, 
really picked it up in the second half, kind of the opposite of Jonah Heim, who was dealing with a wrist injury in the second half and kind of didn't quite look like himself. He's had some decent at-bats, um, some actually really good at-bats, including a couple of very key RBI 0-2 hits that uh, I think have really gone under the radar, as well as his two bombs off of Romber Valdez. Um, still, I think... I got to give the edge to Jonah Heim. It's it's a really close call, about as close as anywhere on the diamond. But I think the Rangers have the edge there. First base, I think this is where the clear advantage for the Diamondbacks. I know he hasn't had the best postseason, but Christian Walker has been one of the most underrated first basemen in all of baseball. He's sensational defensively. Like not that first base defense matters all that much. I mean, we've seen what it's like when it's bad. We've seen what it's like when it's good because Nathaniel Lowe has given, Nathaniel Lowe has given us both of those extremes the last couple of years. But and he hasn't had the best postseason offensively because he is only hitting 179, but he does have a 365 on base, just one home run, three doubles, 11 walks for Christian Walker, um, and a 698 OPS in this postseason. It's a little bit better than Nathaniel Lowe, who has started to turn it on, including that justice home run off of Brian Abreu in Game 7. Just a beautiful cherry on top of the offensive Sunday that was that Game 7. Lowe has a 698 OPS in the playoffs. Three home runs for him. Three walks to 20 strikeouts. He's been a little bit in his head the first couple rounds. I think he's starting to pull out of it. Um, But either way, I think that Christian Walker has a slight edge over there. At second base, I know what Marcus Simeon has done in the postseason. We'll get into that in just a second. But during the regular season, he was the best second baseman in all of Major League Baseball. And Cattell Marte is phenomenal. He was the NLCS MVP. He's got he's hitting 358 with a 604 slugging percentage in these playoffs, a 986 OPS, two homers, five doubles, a triple, um, but Two walks to 16 strikeouts. The dude is very, very aggressive, does not walk a whole lot, um, is an absolute nuisance on the base paths and at bat. He hit a home run off of Araldis Chapman in that game, the final game that these two teams played. Maybe it was in the final series. I can't remember if it was the first game or the second game where Montgomery pitched eight shutout innings, then handed the ball over to Araldis Chapman with a 1-0 lead and Cattell Marte homered off of him to tie that game where the Rangers would lose in extra innings. Incredibly frustrating, but I mean... I know Marcus Simeon's in a slump right now, but I feel like he's about to pull out of it. He's putting those those series behind him, and I feel really good about him in general. Shortstop, this is not this is not close. Herrera uh, Perdomo, solid player, solid postseason, eight ten OPS, but it's Corey freaking Seager. He's the best shortstop in baseball, bar none. He is a postseason beast. He is coming off a three hit game where he absolutely tattooed the Houston Astros in Game Seven. It's the World Series. It's at Globe Life Field. We've seen this dance before, and it's it's pretty compelling one from Corey Seager. Third base, also not particularly close. The Rangers have an all-star, and the Diamondbacks have a former all-star and also Emmanuel Rivera playing there sometimes. Um, those two have, if you add them up together, their OPS is 737, which is less than Josh Young's 897. Um, wait, hold on. Nope, that's not it. A 920. Sorry, I was reading off of a different player's OPS. But yeah, that means that Evan Longoria has a 403 OPS in the postseason, and Emmanuel Rivera has a 334 OPS in the postseason, neither of which are very good. And Josh Young is very good. In left field, this is also not particularly close for me. Loris Gurriel is not great defensively. Offensively, he's fine. Solid. He had a really good regular season, but Evan Carter is just transcendent this postseason. Absolutely transcendent. A 987 OPS. He's reached base in literally every single playoff game. Like, just nuts. Nine walks for him in 38, 39 at-bats. Homer, six doubles, several of which have been of the hustle variety of 
you know, looking like he's only going to go one and then taking the extra base. I think he's done that twice now, once uh, against the uh, Astros in, I believe that was game one, um, and then also against the Rays as well. So just a really heady, fantastic baseball player. In center field, it's Leody Tavares versus uh, Alec Thomas. Alec Thomas has got an 865 OPS this postseason. That is mostly due to his home run or nothing approach. A 289 on base percentage, just hitting 212. A 576 slugging percentage. Four home runs for him. He has really shown off the power, and we have seen how great he is defensively. I mean, he's elite, probably one of the best, if not the best. Eh, I don't know. There's there's a guy in in uh, in Toronto who who might have something to say about the best defensive center fielder in all, all of baseball. But but Thomas is absolutely sensational, and I, I remember doing a crossover with Miller Thomas after our, our series in August or whenever it was and saying like, why, why is your star Corbin Carroll not playing in center field? And then I saw that Alec Thomas catch that he robbed several extra base hits from Marcus Simeon in that series. Like, Oh, okay. That's why he's pretty darn good. But Leo Tavares is sensational. Having a great postseason, um, not a great ALCS, but a really, really great first couple of rounds. He's got a 744 OPS in the playoffs with a homer off of Justin freaking Verlander, seven walks to eight strikeouts and four stolen bases. I give the edge to the Rangers. Now, right field is where it's also very, very close. Um, it is, of course, the two stars of this team, the two stars at this point for most of the year. Adoles Garcia, absolutely sensational. He is coming off the best ALCS of anyone ever, arguably. And I would argue that, and I would argue that till the day I die, and I will. Um, but, I mean, the the young stud in Corbin Carroll had a not great NLCS until Game 7, a three-hit performance for him. But in the playoffs, still got some really good numbers, a 295 average, a 396 on base, and slugging at 455 with a pair of home runs, seven walks to eight strikeouts. But, uh, yeah, two home runs and one double versus Adolis Garcia's seven home runs and one double, a 1100, 1102 OPS for Adolis Garcia. I give the edge to the Texas Rangers. It is a close one, but Adolis is just on another freaking planet right now. And at DH, well, it's Evan Longoria is playing there a little bit. They've also got um, some other guys who are playing at DH just a little bit. Tommy Pham, a 590 OPS in the playoffs. Not exactly stellar uh, versus Mitch Garver, who's got an 897 OPS in the playoffs with a grand slam. 11 RBIs in just nine games. The guy has been an absolute dog out there for the Texas Rangers. And, you know, both of those home runs were absolutely ginormous for the Rangers. Texas Rangers have the edge. Coming up, we're going to look at where the Rangers had the edge in the pitching, defense, base running, manager, and five keys to the Texas Rangers pulling off their first ever World Series win. Right after this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Big holidays mean big family get-togethers, but you don't have to spend all that money on the Thanksgiving spread without getting something in return. With Ibotta, you can get your turkey and all of your favorite sides for free, starting on November 1st, for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers uh, just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make this, your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out 
of your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can also earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app now and use code MLB to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. Shout out to the everyday making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, I'll have even more previewing this game one of the World Series. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Actually working on doing another crossover with a different Diamondbacks pod. We'll see if we can get those guests arranged before tomorrow to have a lot of shows, maybe even two or even three a day um, for today and tomorrow. Um, We'll see, but you will be covered at least once every single day covering this team through the World Series. Oh my gosh, what a fun thing to say. Now, speaking of the World Series, um, where do the Rangers have the edge? I think there's a lot of places. We just laid out every single position player, and the edge was to the Rangers, in my opinion, in all but literally one position. Then you look at the starting rotation, and I know this is a good rotation for the Dimebacks. Their top two are very, very good in Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen, but Zach Gallen has just not been himself in this postseason at 542 OPS. He's been blown up in a couple of starts. He's had a couple of good starts early on, but the Phillies really got to him. Merrill Kelly has been really solid in this postseason, a 265 ERA in 17 innings and 19 strikeouts there. And Brandon Fott, a guy who I was, was not as respectful of as I should have been when I was talking about potential you know, World Series uh, matchups for the Rangers. And Fott has been excellent absolutely excellent in this postseason four starts at 270 era 16 and two-thirds innings 22 strikeouts to just three walks absolutely sensational the rangers saw him earlier in the year and they lit him up and so i thought all right this is probably not that good but he has been very very good in the postseason and definitely built for the moment i mean a lot of these diamondbacks just they're so young they don't know any better but let's look at this bullpen. I think a lot of the Diamondbacks bullpen is absolutely amazing, has been overblown. Because, I mean, you ask any team about their bullpen. If you ask the Diamondbacks fans about their bullpen at the end of the year, they would have said, oh my gosh. I mean, Seawald's kind of trustworthy, but everything else feels ish. I don't know. Which is just kind of the nature of bullpens. Honestly. Even the Rangers' bad bullpen has had some very great moments in this postseason. That's why I think the Rangers have the edge here. I mean, it's really about funk versus velocity in these two bullpens. I think that the Rangers' stuff, their velocity, the movement on their pitches is really, really good in their top three guys, in Jose Leclerc, in Aroldis Chapman, and also in Josh Spores. Whereas Paul Sewald is not out there throwing in the upper 90s. He's commanding it very well, um, but there's more margin for error when your guys don't have the velocity and the raw stuff, when their stuff you know, isn't located in exactly the right spot, it is much more hittable. Whereas if you're Aldis Chapman or you're Jose Leclerc or you're Josh Spores and you're chucking 98, 100 with movement, there's a whole lot more you can do to, if you miss your spot, it's not as easy to square that thing up. Whereas if it's 91 with a little bit of movement and still, you know, middle, middle, big league hitters will crush that stuff. So I think the Rangers have a slight edge here, but the Dimebacks could make me look foolish because they do such a good job of hitting late and hitting against bullpens, even good bullpens, which the Rangers historically have not been this year. 
but I still think the Rangers have a slight edge. Now, in terms of defense, these are both two very good defensive teams, especially in the outfield. Like, uh, this outfield defense, if, you, if you're if you a real real nerd and you like outfield defense, good outfield defense, defense, which I really do, these two outfields are going to be so much fun to watch. Now, the only bad thing I would ever have to say about the young star Corbin Carroll is that his throwing arm is not that great. He plays a lot of right field. He is incredibly fast. He makes great reads on balls. Um, but the throwing arm is not really what you want from a right fielder. Lourdes Gurriel is not, not ideal in left field. Neither is Tommy Pham. He's playing more DH now. Alec Thomas, Thomas is sensational in the outfield. And their infield defense, like I said, is amazing. Moreno, Christian Walker, Cattell Marte is is okay. But Geraldo Perdomo and Emmanuel Rivera are both pretty darn good at the left side. The Rangers' defense, I mean, their outfield defense is absolutely sensational. Their infield defense is really darn good. And their catching is also very good defensively. But I I think that the D-backs have just a little bit of an edge there. Um, In terms of base running, the Dimebacks are going to run wild. That's what they do. They like to cause chaos. That is going to be a factor in this game. I don't think the Rangers are going to run very much on Gabriel Moreno. They might be creative in the ways they run. We saw a delayed steal attempt that was really crucial for the Phillies with runners on first and third, a, a guy, a stop and steals so the, the guy on first base runs to second base. And uh, if the catcher throws, then the guy on third immediately comes home and, and tries to score and force two really darn good throws. And it worked out for the Phillies. I don't know if the Rangers will be that aggressive and take advantage of Gabriel Moreno's aggressiveness, but I don't anticipate them running a whole lot. And even though Jonah Heim is a very, very good uh, thrower behind the plate, I think, the snakes might just cause a little bit of havoc there. And then the last one, uh, the manager. Hmm. I wonder who has the managing edge. The guy who's won three rings, who's been to four World Series, who is undefeated in winner-take-all games. It just has an insane postseason record. Or the guy who has not managed in a postseason before, but has done a very good job. Tori Lovello has done a very, very good job. Those guys would run through a freaking wall for him. I mean, the guy is just so inspirational. But come on, it's Bruce Bochy. It's Bruce freaking Bochy. He has the managerial edge in against literally everyone, maybe in the history of managing baseball. But let's look at the five keys for this team winning the World Series because they are there. They are in the World Series against the Diamondbacks. Even though other people have something to say about it, it doesn't matter. The Rangers are here. And these are the five reasons why they will take down the Diamondbacks in six games. Right after this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. There's a lot of uncertainty out there in the world today, and it's important to be prepared. You know, the Jace case is a personal personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Jace Medical now offers customizability for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that will best fit you and your family's unique needs. Buy a gift card for your family or your loved ones so they can get a Jace case of your own, of their own as well. So go check these out. This is a great way to get the medications that you need. If it's hard for you to get a doctor in certain situations, just to be prepared. Go to jacemedical.com and enter code LOCKEDON at checkout for a $20 discount. 
on your order. That's promo code locked on at jasemedical.com. Shout out to the everyday just making Locked On Raiders your first listen every single day. On Friday night, I'll be back live on YouTube and immediately upload it afterwards. Recapping game one of the World Series. Rangers take on the D-backs in the World Series. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on Sirius XM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, key number one for the Texas Rangers beating the Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series is the number three starter, which sounds kind of basic, but it really is so incredibly important. Right now, it seems like the Diamondbacks might have the edge in the number three starter in these games. Both teams both have two immediate, immediately elite uh, starting pitchers in Merrill Kelly and Zach Callen. They're elite, and you might, not, you might not know much about them, but they are very freaking good. And the Rangers and Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Eovaldi, both those guys are elite. Now, the Rangers have done a really good job of winning nearly all the games that both those guys start. Jordan Montgomery, they didn't win his second start, but he did come in and get the win in Game 7 against the Houston Astros, which was absolutely lovely. But the Rangers, they need some depth from their starting rotation, and they have a guy who's been pretty darn good at points in his career, a guy named Max Scherzer. You may have heard of him. You may have also heard that he's washed, and he's bad, and he's never going to be good again. I mean, you need to stop listening to Mets fans, because usually those are the ones that are telling you that. And it's true. His first two starts in the playoffs haven't been great. But they've also been rehab starts. This guy is coming off of a major injury, in the terrorist major injury to be specific. And initially, the diagnosis was he was almost certainly done for the playoffs. I mean, the timetable for his return was about three games after Game 7 of the World Series. So, you would be understandably thinking, all right, there's no way this guy is going to pitch again this season. What a freaking bummer. He's such a good pitcher. The Raiders need every starter they can get. But, oh, it's fine. They've still got, you know, John Gray and um, you know Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Eovaldi. And then John Gray went down. You think, oh, boy. This team is in a rough way. But I think that Max Scherzer was much better in that second start than he was in the first start. And had it not been a game seven, there would have been a lot more leeway, even with a lot of runs on the board. There weren't that many when he came out of the game. There were four runs on the board, which was not the 11, I believe it was, that the Rangers ended with. And so the Rangers took him out a little bit early. He got himself out of some jams. He made some much better pitches. He did give up a home run to Alex Bregman, but Alex Bregman's a very good hitter. And that happens sometimes. And Brandon Fott is a very good young pitcher. He is. And he's been sensational these playoffs. But are we really thinking that Brandon Fott, this rookie, is better than a future Hall of Famer with three Cy Youngs? I mean, what are we doing? Are we really overthinking it that much? Is recency bias really imprisoning us that badly? I think it has been for a lot of people. And I think that we are way overthinking what the Rangers can do to Brandon Fott versus what the Diamondbacks can do to Max Scherzer, former Arizona Diamondbacks prospect, that is, and draftee Max Scherzer, getting some revenge on the team that traded him to Detroit, which it's worked out. Maybe he'll find some, you always got to find some kind of narrative to concoct to to get back, and especially a team that's, that's really not hateable in the Diamondbacks. Maybe Max Scherzer being like, this team drafted me, but they didn't want me. 
25 years ago or however long it's been. Uh, maybe that will provide some extra motivation. Not that Mad Max really needs any more motivation than this is the World Series. Um, but the depth of this this Arizona Diamondbacks rotation, especially behind Fott, like, let alone, forget game three. Look at game four. It's not going to be pretty. I mean, this team gave a lot of starts to Madison Bumgarner, who, funny enough, texted <laughs> texted Bochy in Game 7 asked if he needed a pitch for him, which was hilarious because he got... It's not like he's three years retired or whatever. He retired on his own terms. He was bad. He was just straight up cut by the Diamondbacks this year. And I thought at the deadline, they probably needed another starting pitcher. And I think they probably did. Um, but they didn't get one. And you know what? They'll live with it. They had Joe Mantiply bullpen game, which might end up being better for them because this Rangers team has struggled with bullpen games. But anyway... Speaking of bullpen, key number two, which bullpen can hold up? If we know the narratives about both these bullpens, Seawald has been very solid in this postseason. Kevin Ginkle has been very solid in this postseason. And Ryan Thompson has been very solid as well. It's a mentality, a um, philosophy difference of funk versus pure stuff. And there's a lot of funk in Kevin Ginkle and a little bit in Paul Seawald and a little bit in Ryan Thompson as well uh, as most of these relievers for the Diamondbacks. But outside of their top three guys, there's a whole lot of shakiness out there. I mean, Joe Mantiply has a five ERA in the postseason. Miguel Castro has a five ERA in the postseason. I mean, Zach Gallen does too. It's a small sample size, but the playoffs are all about small sample sizes. I think the Rangers have a slight edge there, um, and the Rangers showing that they could hit off bullpens in Game 7 against the Astros was hugely big for their confidence. Now, key number three. Speaking of confidence, a guy who did not have some, did not have any in that series against the Astros is Marcus Simeon. Can he step up? Can he wipe the early postseason struggles from his mind? Just go out there and absolutely rake? I think he can. And if he does, then it's going to be a huge, huge key for this Rangers team. I mean, their offense is so incredibly deep. It's it's so incredibly deep. When you don't have one of your top two guys going, it makes life so much more difficult. It makes life so much more difficult. And yet, here the Rangers are. In the World Series, Marcus Simeon is hitting 192 with a 276 on base and a 231 slugging percentage in these playoffs. And the Rangers are in the World Series. He can put all of that behind him and just go out there and kick the crap out of these D-backs. I think he can do it. Um, key, from, key number four, this is an offensive philosophy difference in these two teams. is early offense versus late. It's not like they intend it that way. It's just kind of how it comes together. The uh, Diamondbacks nickname this season has been the Answerbacks, um, which sounds silly, but it, it works. So good for them. They've been very good at getting to bullpens late. They kind of remind me of the Baltimore Orioles. In a lot of ways, honestly, they're both very young teams. Um, the bullpen of the Orioles is significantly better, but um, wasn't that great in the postseason. Got a lot of young bats that don't know any better. They're also really good at coming back late in games. And that was the Baltimore Orioles were very, very good at in the regular season too. But the Orioles did not come back on the Rangers. They tried to several times, and they got close a couple times. But the Rangers did not let them come back. It is much harder to have all those comeback wins in the postseason. The Diamondbacks have done it where 
the Orioles did not do it as much at the postseason, but they're also a young team that like just doesn't know any better. They're like, why not us? I mean, why do we care? All the pressure's on you guys. So we're just going to go out there and kick your butts. And for the most part, they have. Um, but yeah, I think if the Rangers can blow out starters in bad starts, not just get up, you know, four runs like in that game, game two against Fran Valdez, get four runs and then kind of try and hold on. If the Rangers can really just blow them out, which credit to the Diamondbacks, even with their less than great starting pitchers, they have not gotten blown out very much, barely at all in this postseason. The only real time that they just got their doors blown off was against the Phillies in that 10 to one game. There was also a six to one game or 10 to nothing game, excuse me, in game two of the NLCS. And then game, where was it? Game five um in arizona the phillies won six to one a little bit more of a little bit less of a blowout but still kind of a blowout if the rangers can just like make it not a contest and be able to save some of their top end guys because again we all know the thing about Rawls chapman pitching in back-to-back days if the rangers can just completely take the diamondbacks out of it like they did in game seven then that is going to be very huge which it says it feels obvious to say yeah if you blow them out you're going to win a whole lot I know that. I realize that. But doing that in one or two games, as opposed to having close wins, gives you so much more margin for error in the later games and is very important. Yes, I know it's obvious, but still, it's less obvious when you think about the implications moving forward, which has got to be the mindset. You got to think about not just this game, but the next game and the game after that and all the way to game seven, because this is a series and one win is not enough. You need to get four. Four out of seven. That's how it works. And it is going to be so much fun to watch. Speaking of fun to watch, a guy who's pretty darn fun to watch, Adolis Garcia, key number five. Will Adolis Garcia's tweaks to his approach stick? Now, the final four games of that ALCS, Adolis Garcia was an absolute home run hitting monster. He was insane. He was on another level. But especially the final, what, six Yes, I believe it was six at-bats of his ALCS showed a different side of Adolis Garcia. He was striking out a whole lot, which will happen in Game 6. He was the villain after hitting the home run of his life and getting hit by a pitch by the actual villain of that series, Brian Abreu. Not an actually villainous person, but for that series, he was the real villain. Not Adolis Garcia, because Adolis Garcia did nothing wrong outside of being amazing at baseball. But... That at-bat against um, Ryan Stanek, the Grand Slam, where he just shortened up his swing and just let his insane power and the 99 or whatever mile-an-hour velocity do the work for that pitch to hit the Grand Slam, to put the game on ice and put Andrew Heaney in in the ninth inning as opposed to having to send Leclerc back out there, that carried over for Game 7. We saw the insane run that he went on in game seven with four hits and a pair of home runs and about a bajillion and a half RBIs in that game. He's got seven home runs this postseason, 20 RBIs, 16 strikeouts to no walks and 52 at-bats. He has been hit by a pitch. Um, but still, he's doing a good job of just, especially that the first home run where he just took the ball away, a very good pitch on a fastball away by Hunter Brown. That he executed. That was exactly where he wanted to throw it. And after battling and battling and battling, Adola said, oh, there's that fastball away. I just saw it a couple pitches ago. I know where to put that. I'm going to put that in the seats in right field. Thank you. Goodbye. 
have a good day. And then he hit another home run later, just for good measure. But his at-bats have been much more measured. He has not been swinging out of his shoes. He has been letting his prodigious power, which is among the best in the game, do all the heavy lifting, which is all you have to do when he's been on his tears. Because when he gets hot, he gets incredibly red hot, which we saw he was in the last 10 games or so of the regular season after he came back from injury. And we saw a few more stints like that from Adolis where when he gets hot, he gets insanely hot. And that's just what he does. And right now, he is on one of those otherworldly tears. And even with Corey Seager being as amazing as he is, and he might be the World Series MVP, having him and Adolis Garcia both figuring things out at exactly the right time bodes nothing but sensational news for the Texas Rangers. Oh, and the guy in between them, Evan Carter, He's got a 987 OPS and puts together some of the best at-bats on this freaking team. Oh, and by the way, in case you forgot, he's 21 years old. And Marcus Simeon hasn't even started hitting. Can I tell you how incredibly good this lineup is? Has I said? Have I said it a million times? Because it's a million times true. This lineup is absolutely sensational. And even when one of them is down in the dumps, like Marcus Simeon has been for this postseason, somebody else will step up and pick them back up because that's what they've done all season and that's what I think they're going to do in this World Series. Thank y'all so much for listening every single day. It's been a huge week at Locked On Rangers. going to be even huger next week as we go on through the World Series. Going to have as many episodes as I can for y'all talking about this World Series. Rangers versus Diamondbacks. Going to be some great baseball. So freaking excited. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series Texas Rangers Baseball.